Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Wardner. I hope that hope that you're all really, really well. Thank you for tuning in. It's lovely to have you here. I'm so pleased to say that my guest on this episode is, I mean, it's legendary status. It's Alison Young. Now, she is probably one of the best known, knowledgeable and respected names in the beauty industry. Um, Her knowledge of beauty products, of ingredients is just next level. And she has over 30 years experience talking about all things beauty, how to use products, why products work, all of the above on television and most notably as the longest serving and most successful QVC presenter. And I was sent a press release a little while ago with some stats about Alison on and it was estimated that in her career she has sold over 500 million pounds of the product, which I just think is absolutely incredible. But it isn't just about selling. Alison really does know her stuff and she really is something of legend. I have done some work with QVC and I have seen her talk directly to customers at QVC events and the queues snake around these exhibition halls. People will queue all day to ask Alison about their skin condition, about whatever might be going on. And she will talk to and help every single one. I've seen more than a few tears of people just being so grateful for having a one-on-one time with Alison. Not only is she available at QVC, she has various shows. I think she has uh, Alison's Beauty Night In. I will be putting the link in the show notes, obviously, to all of her appearances. But she's also uh, recently established alisonyoungbeauty.com, which is a new website with lots of how-tos and free tutorials for um, for people who want to drill down a bit more into her expertise, who want product demonstrations, who want their questions answered. Um, I've known Ali for, uh, must be four years now, actually. And the context in which I met her, because obviously as a beauty journalist, there's no way I didn't know who Alison was. But I started doing guest presenting on QVC a few years ago. So that would be where you would go on with a brand and you would, as an independent beauty editor, I would say, this is why this product stands out to me. This is why I like it. And often Alison would be the QVC presenter that I would be sort of playing that game of verbal tennis with on air. And since then, 
she's just because I think so much of her she's become a pal and uh, she was a very key part of the 40 days of 40 celebrations if you were keeping up with that on social media just before Christmas but anyway it was really nice to sit down and actually chat to her about her career because it's not she's not a bragger she is what she is she knows her stuff and she doesn't really she doesn't really sort of blow her own trumpet in many ways uh, when it comes to her career and quite how much she's achieved and quite how much she knows. So actually, I came away from the podcast that you're about to hear feeling really like wanting to champion all of that and really feeling grateful for having understood quite what her background was. I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of it. And I was really grateful that she shared so much with me. So that's what you can expect in this episode. Thank you to everybody who's emailed in this week. I've had a lot of messages and the Facebook group has been going coconuts. So thank you to everybody who's been getting involved and obviously people who've been um, sliding into the DMs on Instagram. I'm going to ask you at this point in the show, if you have any guests that you want me to pursue, you know it's my thing. Um, please do send me a message, a comment under any of my Instagram posts, slide into DMs, send me an email to thebeautypodcast.gmail.com. Let me know who you'd like me to go after next because I've got some in the works, but I know that um, I've been getting more and more emails about guests that people would like me to get on. And I want to make sure that when I do devote some time to doing that, that I'm ticking all the boxes. So let me know who you would like me to get on this show. Um, I did go after The Rock this week. It didn't happen. He was in London. But hey, you can but try. Um, I think that's everything for me. So I think all I all that's left to do is really to say, um, please enjoy this chat with Alison Young. She, God love her, she catered it. <laughs> she went and got like the most beautiful meal. And we had a lovely, really lovely heartening chat. So I really hope that you enjoy earwigging on this episode of the show. And um, as ever, if you do want to get in touch, it's just very simple. Email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com and I will get back to you as quickly as I possibly can. And that link to that Facebook group, which is private, will be in the show notes. Just click on it, um, send in your request and I will try to approve you within 24 hours. So here she is. It is the Queen of Beauty. It's Alison Young. Hello, Alison Young. Thank you for joining me on The Emma Gunn Show. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Tables are turned. Normally, it's the other way around. Normally, it's your show. I know. Normally, I used to frighten you as the guest, didn't I? And Do you want to frighten people? Uh, because I, you can be quite frightening. Yeah, apparently, I can be quite <laughs> frightening. I'm just exacting and I have high standards. Mm. Um, so if I've got a guest that I'm interviewing, I'm not interviewing them for me. I'm interviewing them for the viewer or the customer mm. so I want to get the right information and I don't want to get necessarily what the guest wants to say I actually want to get the story of mm. the brand or the story of the product what I know the customer wants to hear yeah so that's what I'm always sort of fighting a little bit representing you know I represent the customer the clients yeah. the the beauty room that's where I come from well, let's put this into context, listeners. So Alison Young is the doyen of QVC, the beauty guru that is. I mean, you're celebrating 25 years on the channel this year. Yeah, I'm expecting a gold watch. I don't think I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> I would at least want a job lot of diamond eat. Yeah, oh, well, I should get that, shouldn't I? I hope so. Yeah. I'm a little bit obsessed with the Joan Collins collection, but that is a completely different show. Um and so I've been on as a guest before talking about beauty products and I totally know when I'm on with you 
don't mess around. You have to, if she asks you a question, you better have that answer. So if you're talking about growth factors, you need to know how they're grown and what they, what they do to the skin. Um, take us back to the beginning. How have you forged this incredible career? Because, um, at my birthday at the end of last year, I put a series of photos on Instagram and you were in one of them. And the amount of people who DM me saying, oh my God, you know Alison Young. So you are much loved by, a be- by beauty fans around the world. So please tell oh, me. Oh, thank you very much. About your um, career. I, well, I think one of the things you said there, my uh, career has grown organically. Mm. I think that's what's different. I never had a plan. I never made a plan. I didn't know where I was going. I just very much have. And this is what I, I tell sort of young people as well. And when I do sort of talks to colleges or anything like that or encouraging anyone, I just did what I did to the best of my ability. So I went to beauty training college. I did the highest one that you could do after A-levels. Um, and then, you know, from there, worked on the um, beauty salons, worked on the floor. Uh, again, had no clients in those days. Sweeping the floor, making cups of tea for the hairdressing clients to try and bribe them into the beauty room <laughs> to then have treatments with me. Um, and still to this day, the person that I was bribing the most by making the most cups of teas for, for her clients was actually the style director who still does my hair today really? on, the, uh, on her kitchen table after having three kids. Amazing. Um, and then from there, I, I managed to get into Gracia Hall, where I did a lot of celebrity facials, and I ran the whole team there, and we had a, a team of 60 practitioners. Right, doctors. so tell me something, because I'm always intrigued by this. Yeah. You're practicing, you're a practicing beauty therapist. Yes. And then you've got a celebrity on your table. Yeah. You must have a moment, surely. Is it, um, you must have a moment of, A, I'm seeing a celebrity in a context which is different and new and unique. And do you get nerves? Is it um, you get more nervous no, than when it's a regular no, punter? No, I don't think you do whatsoever. I mean, obviously, the most amount of royalty and celebrities I saw when I was at Greyshot Hall, and the reason for that being in those days, it was very much um, a place where you went and you visited for six weeks or for two right. weeks. And we had helicopters flying in. You know, it, you had chauffeur-driven multi-million pound cars Mm. all of the time and also the word celebrity was barely invented then Mm. so you weren't in awe these people you were in respect of these people they were obviously top of their field or they were born into royalty and and they were in but at the end of the day when they go in a beauty room they're just a person Mm. and they're just a person that has a skin problem or wants a massage or is stressed out or they're wanting to learn their lines for the film so when you take their clothes off or when they're wandering around like where, where I worked in the in the health farm they're wandering around in, in dressing gowns and no makeup it's they all become normal people mm. then and then you're just their therapist doing their treatment and then you want to do the best you can for their hour or hour and a half or two hours that they're with you each day mm. because as a journalist reviewing treatments I know that I've definitely felt nerves of therapists and like honestly I'm not going to write anything bad please don't worry so I wondered if you ever experienced that but it sounds like no 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 I didn't in, act, in actual fact what used to happen as well is that I used to have um some of the girls that couldn't do some of the like celebrity treatments or some of the, should we say, more demanding clients because <laughs> they all had their own little ways. And, and even though I was maybe one of the youngest of the staff, even though I headed up the whole department uh, and we had nurses and we had doctors and I had masseurs and I had beauty therapists and makeup artists and hairdressers. You know, we had a whole team of people and dietitians, everyone that then created that team around that person to mm. create their visit it was very much I, I wish we we were bringing 
back places like that. You can only get places like that now, actually, in Europe. Um, like you, the Mayor Clinic. Yeah, places, you can't get yeah. them in the UK anymore. They're just hotels with a few treatments nowadays. They're not the same, which is unfortunate. And uh, with that, um, I'd get all of the the clients that were either tricky or that the girls were nervous with because I didn't, A, get any nerves. And if they were a little bit tricky, I could turn... <laughs> A, a, a tricky person into a loyal client in one treatment i would be is very years spent with horses yeah i was very as <laughs> you know you said that you get scared of me on air i'd have clients that would try and intimidate the therapists mm-hmm. or in treatment and they wouldn't intimidate me they'd be scared of me in the end <laughs> and then they'd be so scared of me that they'd be quiet and they'd have a treatment and then they'd suddenly think actually that treatment was really good mm. and i fell asleep and i really enjoyed it and i looked better okay, I'm going to book you again tomorrow. I see. So I'd turn, I'd turn them around. That's really impressive. Because I think, I always refer to it, um, certain people have the Julia Roberts thing, and I don't mean Julia Roberts, the other QVC. The presenter. <laughs> I mean the actress. Yeah. There is a presenter listeners at uh, QVC called Julia Roberts, which can be mighty confusing. But um, if Julia Roberts walked into the room now, our mood or our energy would kind of be hinged on, well, how's Julia doing? Yeah. It's the Julia Roberts effect. So to be able to just be kind of very in your own energy and say, no, 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 no. You can be as diva as you want, but I'm the boss in the room. That's quite, I mean, that's part of the treatment yeah. that they're paying and, for. And, and yeah, I suppose so. And, and that's what got me an incredibly loyal, regular client base. Mm. Um, that's what got them coming back year after year, staying for, you know, weeks or months. One one point, I had to, you know one royal family stay with me for six months, solid. Uh, and so the management oh, wow. were extremely happy. <laughs> the management then deliberately always gave me anyone that was either high profile or tricky, or both, mm-hmm. because they knew that they would get loyalty in my treatments. But for me, it wasn't that I handled them in any different way. I would just handle them exactly the same way as if I would get you know, a lovely mum and daughter that had saved up their whole life mm. to spend 24 hours in that place. They would get exactly the same treatment. I wouldn't treat anyone that was royal or celebrity or film star or anything any different, and I wouldn't expect them to treat me any differently. And I think when it then came back to just human terms, I have a skill mm. and I can give you an amazing treatment and you're a client and I'm going to be very respectful of you, but you have to be respectful of the rules a little bit, mm. then they were bashed into shape. <laughs> I always am curious about this. Do, do you pick up energy from people in treatments? When it's skin on skin, hands on body or hands on face, it's incredibly intimate. Yeah. Do you pick up vibes or did yeah. you figure out a way of... Yeah, I can go a little bit spooky and tell you that I can see auras and that uh, I can, in aromatherapy and reflexology on the yin and the yang, you can diagnose and treat things differently, although you're not actually meant to diagnose and tell them, but you can feel things. So if you have, really? if you have been trained in that way and you do have a knack in that way, you do have you know, the skills, should we say, because then I've trained other um, therapists in that way as well, is that it's not just a point of massage treatment and a surface there is a whole body energy and then you can start to sort of see see between the treatments and it's almost a little bit like I do now um if someone you know if you jump 30 years forward you say well how how do you answer a question on twitter how do you answer a question across the tv screen I can hear what people don't say and that is more important sometimes than what people do say as well and what they miss out someone will ask me on twitter just a couple of weeks ago oh, i've got very dry skin what's the best moisturizer it's like there is not 
such a thing as the best mm-hmm. moisturizer blanket yeah, answer. Yeah. I then was like, put out the question, well, dry skin can be to do with hormones or mm. stress, you know, as well as actually the winter and the, and, the, and the time of the year. An answer, boom, comes straight back. Actually, I've just had come off my second course of chemotherapy. So there, you know, whenever you then um, get that feeling and mm. ask that question, there's always an individual story mm. to the situation. You've just sort of got to go with your instinct and, and that's to do with experience, really, that I learned you can't learn that skin skill anywhere else other than face-to-face with customers and clients mm. you can't learn it any it's not something that can be taught so it comes back down to you know when I was on the road I then went obviously treating hundreds of clients and celebrities and everything hands hands on I then went to a celebrity facialist and treatment rooms of Harrods um in those days and then I did more royalty and celebrities in there I then worked um, and trained for them um, because they were part of the House of Fraser group for the SNL salons, which were around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, worked and head of training for Clarence, uh, first day site promotions for them, redesigned their treatments, wrote wow, all their training is. manuals. And so the whole time I'm with thousands of customers, yeah. you know, in one year. I'm, you know, at one point with Clarence, we were training. Uh, over 4,000 people a year. So then I'm with over 4,000 qualified therapists, either myself or with my trainers that I trained. Mm. So then the feedback is constant the whole time. And that that knowledge just builds. I can't even imagine. And how old were you at this point? I was the youngest head of training in uh, the country. Well, in the world, I think. If you want me to really exaggerate. Um, I don't want you to exaggerate, that point, but that sounds damn good. I was probably... A when I got that job, I was probably about 24 as as head of training and running a whole department with training 4,000 therapists and sales staff across the country. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Do you just think that you, it was always what you were going to do? No. Um, no. Um, it's, I just put my head down and do the hardest job I can at each job that I have, mm. and then a door opens. <laughs> and... I never had a career path. I never went to my first salon and swept the floor with a, I'll get to a better salon. It right. was just... Sweeping I, floor, one rung up, right? Yeah, I got then to a better salon. I never went to a better salon and thought, I'm going to get to a health farm. Mm. There was no... I think nowadays youngsters seem to have, and I don't know whether it's right or wrong, because it's more difficult nowadays, I appreciate. Um, I don't know why people have to have a career decision when they're a teenager. I think there's a lot of stress on people, and on mm. ch- children, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was just then every time I had a junction that I had to take, Mm. I'd make that decision, but I would just keep my options open by the time I got that decision by working as hard as I could to that point. Mm. And then I was headhunted at the health farm. I was headhunted at Harrods, you know, set up my own business after Clarence um, and did freelance and and helped launch Aveda, set up their training school in the UK, trained the trainers for long-term, trained the trainers for prestige and collections, lots of the fragrance houses, did some training for Clinique. Leslie Balls was my ex-boss. She was there. Um, You know, lots of different outside jobs before then, again, looking at, at, at QVC, which has then run parallel with a lot of these other roles in the industry over the years. That's incredible. So you basically know a huge huge amount of this business and I think the beauty industry is massive it mustn't be underestimated how big it is but you've you've had your I don't want to say finger in a lot of beauty pies but you have you've seen an awful lot of it lots of brands um all these companies have very different ethics 
So Longcom is part of L'Oreal Group and they are very specific in how they work, very different from Clarins. I mean, when QVC then comes up, which is a job that you've been in for 25 years later on this year, um, how did you evaluate that decision? You talked just a minute ago about having your options open when opportunities came up. Yeah. What was it about the QVC opportunity that felt like this is exactly the right move based on everything that I've just done? Oh, it was a completely simple one. Um, is that when I spoke to the CEO, who was the then uh, CEO of QVC, for me, it was the chance to actually get back to customers. Mm. So across the TV screen, um, and, I, and I did this at a, a talk at CW, um, actually, as well, which was um, everyone that's really good in the industry and worked really hard in the industry is often promoted away from the customer, mm. but yet they are the best with the customer. Mm. And so for me, QVC allowed me to go back. Okay, it was on a TV screen, but on a TV screen, when I look down a camera, I don't see a camera. I see a customer sat on a sofa mm. or on the other side of their you know, iPhone or their tablet, mm. that's what I see. And then I'm talking to them. So for me, although QVC, yes, if you look at it from a, a business point of view and the, the beauty industry is a great, it was a great um, opportunity for a lot of brands that didn't have voices. Mm. So in those days, 25 years ago, you know, Declior wasn't outside of the salon. Elemis wasn't outside of the salon. Moulton Brown wasn't outside of London. A lot of the brands like the Laura Gellers and the Lizelle couldn't have launched in the way that they did launch without the QVC platform. Mm. You know, the Tarte, the It Cosmetics now coming into the UK and having a whole UK voice selling millions of pounds before they even go into one counter mm. that's 10 foot long on Selfridges. Mm. Um, you know, this is a unique way now of, of sharing a story mm. of brands that, that couldn't get a foothold with the big conglomerates that own the front of the department store. Mm. But now also a lot of those brands actually want QVC to have a voice so that they can get back one-to-one -one across the nation with customers as well. So as a part of it, as well as, as well as having that dialogue again with the consumer, was it about giving smaller brands an opportunity? Yeah, and sharing the secret. I mean, one of the things that I said in the early days was to begin with, don't do TV shopping brands. I said the, Q, the, the UK customer won't get it, mm. is that there are so many products that are fantastic out there that are almost stuck in the salon. Mm. And the salon industry, you know, Britain has got one of the best salon industries in the world with you know, hundreds of thousands of employees in it and tens of thousands of salons of really high standards. But the retail product in there doesn't often sell. The, the therapists and the treatments and the hairdressers will use the products professionally, yeah. but then the client doesn't take them home. I said, there's so many of those brands that we can do on air that you can get my famous salon size for example. So Did you again, come up with the idea for Yeah, the size? first retailer to ever sell salon sizes or professional-only product, mm. as well as, you know, not just professional-only product from a professional brand that doesn't retail on the high street, but actually even their secret formulas that have never come off the beauty channel, the, the beauty mm. uh, trolley before. Well, then thank you very much for the, uh, the one-litre ABC tea tree shower yeah. wash because that's one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. That's a permanent in my... I was washing my makeup brushes in it last night. Oh, it's a great makeup brush cleaner. Mm. Thank you very much. So uh, one of the things that I read uh, recently about you, because it is coming up for the 25th anniversary, is that you've estimated that in those 25 years, you've sold over £500 million worth of product. Yeah. 
That wasn't my estimation. No. Because I didn't even know how to say that many noughts. That was, that was Nancy, my PR, that did that <laughs> estimation. Um, and, and when sort of anyone says that to me, I don't see it as, you know, some people say, um, I remember uh, Perv, who uh, was, the, you know Estee him, the, yeah, the, the top Perv guy, Estee Lauder, he came up to me and shook my hand and said, you're the greatest salesperson in the industry, I'd like to shake your hand. And that was only about six months ago. Um, and Whoa, I was like, well, actually, I don't incredible. see myself as a salesperson because I don't I don't sell to customers. I just help customers find the right product. So for me, it very much comes from the customer. What does a customer want? What does she need? Mm. He need? What are they looking for? What brands do they already like? What ingredients do they already like? Should they stay in their same ingredient comfort zone? Mm -hmm. Or should they come out of it? Depends upon what result that they want. What price point do they like to shop in? And that, that's how I then pass my information on. You know, over the years, I've had lots of brands say to me, oh, you'll sell my product. And that is like red rag to a bull. It's like, already, I already hate you <laughs> if you say that to me. Because it's not about selling product to customers. For me, it's not about forcing something onto customers. Mm. My customers and clients, whether they've met me face to face or whether they are through a TV screen or through... Um, you know, social media now, they are the most important. And it, and I want to match their criteria mm. of what they want, or if they don't know what they want, what they need with a product that they can afford and that they can sustain. Yeah, that's the most important thing. One thing I've seen, so uh, was at the QVC Beauty Bash, where the first year I was ever there, um, I was by the main stage. The brand that I was with had a little stand by the main stage. And you obviously come on in the morning, like, I'm Addison Young, welcome to the Beauty Bash. Da, da, da. I then watched you for, I would say, five to six hours solid. And you had to change into your Ugg boots. Yeah, you were wearing hurt. some ridiculous shoes when you <laughs> arrived. Like, they were some Giuseppe Zanotti kind of realness. That was probably the Gucci day. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you stood and there was a queue that I think snaked around. It was at Billingsgate that snaked around Billingsgate and people were prepared Regardless of the hundreds of brands that had displays, they were prepared to stand and wait and ask you questions. And I watched you, because I had very, very excellent vantage point. I watched you answer every single person's Don't you make beauty me cry. No, but it's extraordinary because I, I don't have anywhere near the experience that you have, but I could see people literally feeling like they were talking to their best friend. Yeah, but they're, they're, those customers are, are, you know, the reason that I go to work. Mm. Um, and it's you're gonna you are gonna make me cry. I'm so sorry. You know, and they they've given up their day's work to come and talk to me or to ask me a question. They've had a burning question. Um, you know, when you talk to them, many of them had worked a night shift to then come during the day. I oh, we need tissues now. They'd given up work. They'd you know organized everything and, and I have people like that have been in the army that there was one lady in, in that queue that had lost her husband in Afghanistan and she was an army person herself and she had post-traumatic stress and then she said that I had made a difference to her and you know that's what beauty means to people mm. a lot of people will think oh it's just a bit of lipstick or it's just a it's bit so of that not. and where mindfulness and yoga is maybe you know, hit the headlines and quite rightly so um, over the last few years. You know, beauty, if you go back to my qualification, beauty therapy, beauty is therapy. Mm. 
just whether it's just a cold cream and a cleanser or whether it's a shampoo that you love to always buy it is about looking after yourself and feeling good about yourself and that means a lot mm. and it probably means more when you also hit problems so I've, I've lived through clients that have had massive traumas and situations I know the effect that stress medication you know illness death divorce all has on their self-confidence and their mm. beauty regime and their skin especially their skin and sensitivities mm. and reactions coming up there's always a reason the reaction okay it might be topically one product but a lot of the time it's actually to do with their lifestyle and stress has got too much for them and I think that's what I really noticed that day. And again, not to make you cry, but... Oh, she's going to make me cry again. People were... You started off saying I was really hard nuts. <laughs> now you've made me cry. <laughs> I always knew that you had it in you, Alison. No, um, people were so open with you. And it wasn't lost on me that that's a responsibility you take very, very seriously. So when you say to me, the reason why when you're on a show with me, I give you a hard time is because I don't care if you feel good at the end of this eight minutes. I need the person watching this TV to feel either reassured or no, it's not for me. I yeah, totally get exactly. that. At the end of the day, up and down the country, it is whether it's Mrs. Parker or Mrs. Parker Brown, mm. I like to think, whether it is someone that wants to spend... 700 pounds or someone that wants to spend 17 pounds it's their hard-earned cash it's their choice and they've got to be satisfied with the product mm. and you've seen every single product there is pretty much and yeah. i've seen i've seen some photos uh, of yeah your we've just i've just shown you photos haven't I? i've just had a little tidy up of beauty trolleys treatment trolleys treatment rooms i i have makeup rooms skincare rooms at home <laughs> and obviously you know i don't know if you've ever delved into my my two rooms up here as well where i've got products too i came um, to your dressing room the other day and was astounded at how much stuff was there yeah so i do um genuinely test the products as well and and they've got to come up I test them from a new concept point of view, but then I'll also test them. They've got to come up against benchmark products mm. because over the years, there's only, there is still only so many ingredients. Well, this is what I was going to ask you because you are very skilled at, you'll have an hour show and you will, I suppose in an hour, you'll do what, six to eight products, depending yeah. on how the breakdown is. But at the beginning of the show, you could do an acid toner. And then, and then you could flit a few seconds later. Literally, you see an ad break, listeners slash viewers. Alice just walked over to another setup and she's now talking about layering essential oils or some sort of big layering regime. Like you literally flit from one completely different protocol to the other. Um, a, how do you do that? I guess that's just by having a massive bank of knowledge. But does that how do you make that not confusing for the viewer? Because you manage it. Yeah, because there's two different customers sat on, the, sat on the sofa side by side. One of them likes acid peels and needs them. One of them doesn't like acid peels. And if she did it, would have a reaction to it and loves aromatherapy. So I see the different people as I'm mm. talking about the different brands. Then I describe who it will suit, who it won't suit. I'm very famous for doing the anti-sell, as in don't buy it. Yeah. Um, so... And I know that customers and viewers like me. They mm. they find that helpful. Mm. Um, it's like when I say you don't need to buy a whole load of makeup products like me. I have it to test it. You just need, first and foremost, a small makeup bag that every single day has dependable products that mm. you want to repeat purchase, that you are thrilled with, um, for example, as well. So uh, with the different brands, and then it's going back to 
I suppose like um, one of the reasons that I've uh, set up my website with all those free tutorials is to give everyone the knowledge that sometimes we don't have time to share mm. if I'm on air with QVC, but I have time maybe in other areas of, of my beauty life so that they need to understand the do's and don'ts of a dry skin, the do's and don'ts mm. of a sensitive skin. What is a hybrid skin? What happens to your skin through the menopause? What happens to your skin through pregnancy? So that they can make the right decision mm. for the product because there's so many products now that are all skin types, my most hated phrase, or <laughs> everything is suitable for sensitive skin. No, it's not. Why do you hate the term all skin types? Because because he and she is not Mrs. Average. Mm. Here are all skin types. A lot of um, manufacturers now will just write onto the side of the packaging, um, first of all, several different languages, so it can be sold in several different countries. Mm. The information to the customer has become less. And secondly... The, the, the most general statement possible to allow the most amount of people to buy it. Mm. It doesn't mean that the very specific people that will really love the product can actually find it by the reading of the packaging mm. or the information of the brand. So sort of the, the all skin types, no one is all skin type. Mm. It's like saying one size fits all. Yeah. No one fits one size fits all. No one is normal. Everyone is normal. Mm. You know, so that to me just doesn't help. And, and it is it is quite hilarious when they my teeth grind when I meet <laughs> someone and they're like, oh, it's suitable for everyone. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Everyone in the whole of the United Kingdom is not going to buy this product. You've got to narrow it down to help mm. the customer make the choice. Is it right for them? Is it, you know, as you say, is it retinols? Is it high end? Is it science? Is it aromatherapy? Is it, is it wholesome mm. goodness? Or is it a treat for the skin? You know, what is it? What is it against the price point to help the customer make the decision? Do you think, especially recently, we've been uh, there's been sort of a lot of focus on acids, retinols, sort of the the, the actives, the hard hitting actives that previously would have perhaps only been available in salon or in clinic. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely noticed a bit of a there's the dermatology school of thought, there's the skin intellectuals, and then there are, for want of a better expression, the pamperers. Neither's right, neither's wrong. Both both have their kind of. They're both valid. But have you noticed a definite change in um, profiling in terms of the beauty consumer in that way? Yes, but it all it, it then comes down to uh, one of my little favourite phrases, capital to country. <laughs> it all started in London. Yeah. And a lot of these trends, all, you know, the journalists, the head office, everything centred in London and so then internationally if everyone started doing peels or injectables or whatever in London but then almost nationally everyone gets told about it mm. but nationally people don't use those products as much and because it doesn't work if you've got sensitive skin or if you've got illness mm. or you're trying to juggle two jobs um you know or if you've just had a baby and so, but it works in a London life in a typical London the London bubble yeah the London bubble um and I think sort of that's where, again, my experience comes in because I've worked all over the world, but all over the UK. So I used to have training centres in and travel, you know, on a Sunday night and then come back home on a, late on a Friday night at midnight in, you know, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Cardiff, Newcastle, um, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, then the hell, uh, Bristol, Birmingham, uh, Cardiff and over in Ireland down in Jersey. And so that was my normal working week. My normal working week was not always... London based mm. and I live in the north I was born in the north that's where I spent 
sort of my early years, but now I live in the South. So I'm very aware of different needs, different price points, different lifestyles Mm -hmm. that are outside of London, different beauty needs as well that are outside of London. It doesn't mean that outside of London you can't spend the money because you can. You know, some people have a much richer life in so many different ways Mm. than money living outside of london they have you know bigger rooms they have more rooms they have more disposable income they get home at a better time at Mm. night you know there's lots of different things like that but that does affect um their regime and their beauty regime and their shopping choices and you are you aware of that from not only your travel but do you just even get it, as you say, when you were talking about tweets and reading between the lines, do you just even get it from the correspondence yeah. you have with Yeah, people? I do. And then when I'm sort of with guests or with brands, I've got, I, have to, I do say to them, can we just forget about the London? As you say, the London bubble now. Mm. We're talking to Caroline in Cardiff. We're talking to Susie in Scotland. We're talking to Glenn in, you know, the, the Outer Hebrides. <laughs> we are talking to anyone who is with a TV or across a screen mm. And so, it, you know, it's not just about, you know, if when you get on a tube, this is a great antioxidant mm. because everyone doesn't have a tube. You know, just even simple conversation Well, I would, I would even say that, obviously, having been a journalist for a long time, I've picked up on lots and lots of stuff. And I've picked up on lots and lots of stuff. That sounds just so vague. What I mean is I obviously know a lot about beauty, about health. And then when I go home to my family's home and I'll meet my old school friends it's always the same sorts of questions and it really is and I don't mean to sound shady to my school friends but it's kind of back to basics and it's kind of what you were saying earlier about what's the best moisturizer for dry skin everybody just wants just tell me one because I really don't want to get into it I just want the one yeah what's the best mascara yeah what's the best what's an easy face wash that'll take my eye makeup off as well exactly so how do you navigate knowing all of the products and then specifying for a particular person, whether it's on the channel or in your correspondence on Twitter. Oh, no, it's really, that's really easy because, um, I don't know, if you take, for example, if someone's asking for a cleanser, you know, are, they, are they into face washes or are they into oils or cleansers, toners? Do they want to use a toner or not? You can, you can find out these questions incredibly quickly. Mm. Do they want to take their eye makeup off as well? Well, already we've taken maybe 100 different cleansers down to a choice of about seven. Mm. And then there's different price points. And you see, if you want a face wash and you want to take off your eye makeup and you don't want it to sting, so it needs to be the same pH as tears, and you prefer it to be a gel texture, not a, not a cream texture, then we're sort of pretty much down to one or two. God, so, Alison, you are good. So, and that's the same whether it's moisturizers or eye creams. Again, you know, what's your concerns if it's an eye cream? Um, you want anti-aging in it, but you also suffer from puffiness. Well, that's quartered the eye creams that are on my shelf in my head, mm-hmm. of which there were maybe 100 to start off with, because we we, we need a depuffing and an anti-aging effect. Um, you haven't used an eye care product before. Uh, I'm questioning them, and they're using um, you know, lovely ranges, but they're not spending a lot of money, so I'm not going to recommend you an expensive one unless mm-hmm. you actually say you don't mind what the price is. I'm not going to insult you with something yeah. that's completely out in a different price zone for you. So then that's taken it down to, to one product that is their perfect product to get started on. Mm. Whittling it down. Now, yeah. over the years, um, hundreds and thousands of products have been launched, certainly in my time. And I've definitely seen products and thought, snake oil or what a load of poppycock. Yeah. Do you... <laughs> Do you see that? And how do you react to those products? Yeah, I do. I sort of do do a little bit of a 
deep breath okay <laughs> because I'll often find it sort of the you know younger buyers or anything like that will come oh have you tried this or have you done that um or um and, and I'm sort of like, okay, deep intake of breath. Okay, it's just another word. It's just another word for a peptide or it's just another word for, you know, a, a particular oil or it's just another um, sap coming out of a tree, you know, which has got constitutes of minerals in it. Um, it's just a fun, funky word. So I do take all of those brands with a pinch of salt. And obviously that launch not, with yeah. um, press and obviously then not press as in just press, but launch with a story. And a fanfare. Yes. And all it takes is one piece. And then all of a sudden it just goes viral, as the kids say these yeah. days. And then everyone thinks that they need to be using it. Not naming brands, because obviously that would be hugely unprofessional. But would you say there is a particular ingredient or anything that you can think of that you just think, oh, no, that was just, it had its moment. Thank goodness it's gone. Um, well, I think that's a very good question, Emma. I think you might have stumped me. We can I think, come back to it if you I want think, to. I think all ingredients have their place, mm. but they have their... every you, Everything happens. It's when argan first came out, and it was the greatest thing to slice bread, and everyone had to use argan. Then it yeah. all settles down, and argan's good in its place. Yes. Um, you know, as you say, you know, the bee venom or the snake venom or the you know, sap from a tree or, or the whatever, or the, you know, it happens even with normal ingredients, the retinol, you know, that'll come around and everyone is buzzing, everyone's got mm. to use retinol. Now, even a clinically proven ingredient like that is oversold, overused, over-talked about, mm -hmm. because it doesn't suit everyone, but then you'll get a, oh, back to naturals and organics and free yeah. from, and that doesn't suit everyone, and that'll come in a wave mm. as well. And it's just a matter of sort of taking a balanced approach to each of these ingredient groups or individual ingredients, and, and I will judge it. I do keep one thing in my head the whole time, um, and it's something that I believe very strongly in, is the product honest? And what I mean by that is the price, the ingredient, and the packaging does it all add up right or is it that this is i don't know a doctor brand but it's full of cucumber and chamomile but it's 60 pounds because of the name that doesn't yeah. make sense to a customer that's not fair mm -hmm. to a customer to me that's not an honest range of products um but is it a doctor brand with patented ingredients that were invented by them that are available nowhere else then yes that can sell at a very high price point mm. that's no problem and so I very much look at sort of the honesty of, of the product and I like to recommend honest products and, and that's why I can recommend as well one minute I can recommend a 10 pound product but the next minute I could be recommending a 300 pound product mm. there are, the similarities will be that they are great within their field and that they are honest within their price point mm. that's a brilliant way to look at it it's the component parts yeah as opposed to the press release and the fanfare and the advertising yeah. campaign. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I, I do when I, when I get a product is I look at the ingredient listing. And that is becoming a, a much bigger thing these days. But it's recent. Yeah. And that's but, very much a professional way of doing it. Like you say, you always obviously turn it around and look at the inky list. But um, I don't think I looked at an inky list until about six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you bought on the you bought on the PR and the hype and the yeah. well sort of uh, you know I'll get someone come along say well there's this brand there's this brand and I say give me the product mm. and I want to know the product the price point the ingredient because the story is, is I can just I then decide if this if the story is also honest or not mm -hmm. because is the story honest is it made by marketeers 
or is the story, is there a story? Mm-hmm. As in founders, inventors, a new ingredient, their own lab. You know, what is the story mm. behind the brand? So I then like to get behind the brand as well for, yeah. from that point of view, from the honesty of it and the integrity of it. Or, you know, if it's a marketeer thing, that's absolutely fine, but it needs to be at a marketeer price. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. How has... Um, has the way that you personally approach products and the products that you use changed as you have gotten older? Uh, yes. Are uh, you more exacting? Because no, I, I can no. I, I'm, I do crazy things, which a lot of the journalists actually. Look at me. Number one, I don't go, oh, number one, I don't go to it. That was Emma kicking the plates of the dinner I bought her. Um, it was delicious. Number sisters. one, I don't go to doctors. Uh, so I don't have any retinols or injectables or any work, inverted commas, now, done. You haven't had any work done? No. And yet you're happy to be on HDTV several times a week? Yeah, I'll get the odd, you need a facelift, little tweet or something <laughs> like that. And, and, and I'm sorry about that, Alison. I shouldn't yes, tweet when I'm drunk. Yeah, you shouldn't tweet when you're drunk. But, um, <laughs> no, because for me, uh, ageing is normal and... I can't test products if I've had work done. Mm-hmm. And also, the, again, let's go capital to country. The majority of people have not had work done. Mm-hmm. And although it's made to seem that it's acceptable and it's normal now, you know, 99% of men and women have not had any work done, but they feel pressurized yeah. to have work done. And, you know, I, I wish that... I have no objection to people having work done, but I treat it a little bit like if your best friend's got a nice jumper and you ask her, where did she get it from? She's going to tell you, mm-hmm. you know, oh, that's from so-and-so, it's great, it's there now, or, or this is an old one, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it might not be there now. And if someone's had work done, I wish that they would just put their hand up and actually say, oh, mm. I had this fantastic peel, I had it with so-and-so, it was in that clinic, it was about 500 pounds, but I'd have it again. Mm. It's made a massive difference. I wish that they would share the information mm. instead of just going around saying it's, it's yoga <laughs> or they've taken time out or they've got a better work-life balance. Yeah. I love it when you see that in the interviews and you as a journalist know that the the questions have had to have been sent to them before. Mm -hmm. You are told what you're not allowed to talk about. And then, you know, the questions are, are you looking so well at the moment? Yeah, don't ask her about the time she was photographed coming out of the clinic in a burger. Yeah, Yeah. that question. And, and, you know, why is it that they've they've got to hide it. I think it's very unfair of them. And I think it puts unfair pressure Mm. on a lot of people. And I also think as well, from a a point of view of attaining the perfect face, there's no such thing as a perfect face or a Mm. perfect body. And I also think as well, um, you know, I've I've had situations where right in the early days when I did a lot of uh, my celebrity treatment work, they had a lot of plastic surgery because there was no, you know, HD, there was Mm. no computer imaging, et cetera. If someone, if another supermodel came in fashion with a different nose, they actually ran to the surgeon and got nose number seven. They changed their cheekbones to get, to stay ahead of the game. They had more surgery. Now, I'm not saying some of those people who look strangely looked in a time warp of about 30 years ago. I might have to get the tea for you when we stop recording. Yeah, um, but what happens is that I've also seen the bad work mm. because I've seen Up them close. with no makeup and um, no clothes on, where they've had tummy tucks, where they've had body lifts, where they've had thigh work, where then they're not allowed anymore because it's thinned and stretched their skin, when the, where they are then left with the results for their remaining 
20 or 30 years mm. and they are not happy with their results. And I've also seen situations where, you know, they've then re regretted having their work done because they don't want their daughters or their sons to have work done, yet their sons or daughters have got the nose. Mm. But the nose is not the nose of the parent because mm. the parent had the work done. So then how do you tell the son or the daughter when they say our noses no. aren't the same? So I've seen sort of heartbreaking situations like that which just aren't normal it's putting too much pressure on young people and then I'll take it to the to the other extreme because to me everyone is normal I worked on a lot of um the first sex changes like mm -hmm. in this country as well you know transgender everything is normal and I don't like to put any principles on anyone to me um as well if you have a less able body and you're in a wheelchair you are just as beautiful as if you are someone that is supposedly a supermodel mm. how do you tell someone that is in a wheelchair, that can't have an operation to fix their legs, that, you know, someone is having their face fixed to look a certain way. Mm. We can't all look a certain way. We can't all be a certain way. You got me on a real roll now, Emma. Mm. I'm coming off my roll. But if you do it, that's okay. Do your research, but please tell your friends about it. Oh, yeah. I can... So that they admit to it, so that they can share if they want to or go there as well, they can get the knowledge. If the day ever comes when I do something, I'll be honest, because I just think, well, I'll look different, won't I? Yeah. That's the whole, if I, if I don't, then and I've been be robbed. yoga, you've been taking up yoga. <laughs> I would never do that, you know yeah. me, I'm too honest. Yeah. You just said then that you worked on the first uh, sex changes. Yeah. In this country. Yeah, we used to Was... do the electrolysis and everything on them as well. That was uh, over 30 years ago. Yeah. That must have been, uh, that actually must have been quite moving because at that time you couldn't talk about it in a way you can talk about it today. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean... But it goes back to, you know, when you said to me with, with, with clients, to me that was normal. They were just people. Mm. They are just people. But were they, were they hiding it? Is what I'm sort of... Because I think today... Yeah. Um, I was watching this episode of the recent, the new series of Will and Grace and he's, go, he's going out with like a 20-year-old gay guy. He's like, oh, when I came out, it was all wonderful and mm. fantastic I, my parents threw a party and obviously it's a generation away from the people who got disowned for yes. coming out so yeah. they were sort of making comment on that and when you just said about sex changes I think 30 years ago if you were if you were transitioning perhaps one couldn't have been public about it um I never saw whether they were public about it or not because they always knew that I was absolutely fine to do their electrolysis and their treatment and help them with their makeup mm. so to me they were just I was just doing a treatment that they wanted behind closed doors and they were completely normal. They are normal. Everyone's normal. And that must... I mean, you started getting results, because I had electrolysis for years yeah. as a teenager, and it does have a, an effect. When you started to see that, that... I mean, is that the kind of work that's really rewarding? Yeah, I mean, all, yeah, all my work's uh, rewarding, because in the early years, I think as well, because I, I was attached to sort of what was one of the original Medispas before they almost sort of came out of this country mm. really now they're only in Europe isn't it so I used to get a lot of people you know after surgery after serious illness on rehab and recuperation as well as your celebrities or the very mm. rich or the royalty that could afford to sort of go in those places so yeah. I think that's um gave me a wealth of knowledge as well of, of sort of those different people whether it's capital country whether it's mm. rich and, and poor whether it's you know as in you know medical situations uh, it, changing gender situations you know whatever the situation they're just looking to have a treatment to make them feel better this lovely i'm just this lovely um viewpoint you have of just everyone is beautiful everyone is equal everyone's normal everyone's normal yeah 
because when you I think that goes back to the closed treatment door mm. once they come in and they take their dressing gown off I remember actually I had um one of my regular clients and she came in because they'd wandered around in, in that health farm or when working in any health farms with absolutely there was no paper knickers in those days <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I wish they still weren't nowadays they're not comfy are they um oh who who they're no good to man or animal no. or mineral or whatever yeah. the saying is she she came in and she just dropped a dressing gown and she said well what do you think and I'm like well what she said, well what do you think I'm like well what are you talking about well what do you think can't you see I'm like what are you talking about and she said I've had them off and she'd actually had a double mastectomy since the last operation but I don't see these things on a body I only see a person so I then had to sort of look at her physical attributes and not look at her personal sort of character or person or warmth or mm. eyes and actually go oh right yeah you're, you've had them off oh right fantastic did it all go well um because I don't I don't see things like that I don't judge people like that so when um, you talked about seeing people's auras and stuff, if you were to get spooky about it and if you were to drill down into it, when you meet people, yeah. their physicality is not the first thing that you're impacted by. What no. would you say it is? Um, the, the, I tell you when physicality does impact me, and that's when it's fake, then I can't see the person. So if I see a very Botox facelifted, hair extensioned, you know, super uber styled person in front of me highlighted to i see no person <laughs> i see an image of a person but if i see a, a person should we say then i actually see um before i see their physicality i see their i'll see their looks their warmth um their generosity their honesty and i'll see that through their eyes through their expression through um, their warmth that they're exuding, their nervousness, whatever it is, that's mm. what I'll I'll read first. Because I've um, seen you, I mean, you are, we're in the QVC building at the moment. You, When you walk around here, you are royalty in this building. And when I was a guest, if you, basically the way it works, listeners, is if you've got a show, you're here for two hours beforehand, you'll meet the producers in the first hour, and just before you go on, or in the hour before you go on, the presenter will come in. And if it's Alison, as soon as you come into the green room in the dressing room area, there is a hushed silence because Alison is in the house. And I see people desperately wanting you to like them and to approve. How is that for you? Because I think that that's quite a difficult thing to manage. Because you can't like and approve of everybody and everything. And you can't love every product. And you don't blow sunshine up every product's butthole. No. You know, you are very discerning. So how does that energy affect you? Um, I've had to learn a new skill. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to learn a new skill. It's and and name, actually, it? yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got a name. Um, what's the name of it? Some of the experienced floor managers that have worked with me for many years will do now. Alison, you, you, you've got to put your smiley face on today. <laughs> and I get told to put the smiley face on because I've got a very nervous guest. So right. I get warned this, this guest is really nervous. I also get warned this guest, Alison, and I'm like, yes, this guest, and they don't know how to say it. And I go, it's had a lot of work. Oh, I see. Um, well, you said it. I went, right, so you want to prepare me for the fact that the face is not going to move. Well, yes. Right. Um, so I, I get a little bit of a warning yeah. um, there on sort of those situations. But, you know, it's my job when I, when I meet the guests, I have to, I have to judge them. Mm. That is one thing that I have to do. I have to judge them within sort of five minutes 
what are they going to be up to on air? As in, what are they capable of? What's mm-hmm. their knowledge level? Uh, what's their connection with the product as well for me to be able to get the best information out of them Mm -hmm. because I want the best information out of them for the viewer Mm -hmm. if they don't give or they're not going to be forthcoming with that information I'll just give it myself yeah and I'll tell because the viewer is waiting to hear about the product Mm. and it's a real skill because you do have you have you know two more minutes left or 60 seconds left on this cell and I've seen you literally go from someone counting you in and it's the 10, 9, 8. And I'll think there's no way she's going to get back to her point. There's no way she's going to get back to her seat. And you do it and it's flawless delivery. How do you multitask that? Um, You've got talk back in your ear. You've got people talking to you. You've got someone like me in front of you who's being all smiley, thinking, hope this is a good show. You've got other things moving around on set. And yet you, in the moment, you can just be that point of calm. Because there's only ever a certain customer sat watching Mm. that's right for that product. So mayhem can go on around and I'm not, I'm not in the studio around. I'm talking to the person on the other side of that screen or that tablet or in that phone. Mm. That's who I'm talking to. So you just always keep the customer in mind. Always. Yeah. I know you're saying it. Of course I am. Yeah. That's what, um, that's what I've always done. I know you, because when you ask me these questions, I, I think, and it, I think, oh, it's what, what are you asking me to say? Because it's to me, it's just normal. That's a customer. Mm. I'm just talking. All I'm doing is I'm talking to a customer or someone that's interested in beauty. That's that's all that I'm doing. That you know, the studio can collapse, and it has quite frequently, <laughs> as you know, um, around me. And you just carry on. And mm. also what you did with the way that you communicated about beauty or have been communicating about beauty on television now for many years is I think created that first really authentic voice and dialogue that I think has then become it's an industry of its own in the blogging sphere so would you like to say you were an original blogger that original voice um I was an original voice yes on television by sharing lots of stories of lots of different brands and connecting customers and helping customers have information. I wasn't an original blogger because I wasn't actually doing, you know, as much on social media then. Mm. I'm doing more now, hence the website, the free tutorial videos um, and, you know, Twitter, Instagram and and Facebook that I do now because uh, people want to find out that information. But I didn't then when I set up all of that, I didn't look at what everyone else was doing. Mm. I have done it my own way because I've always done it my own way. I've just done, I've just put information on there that I think customers need and that they constantly have asked me questions of over the years that they get confused about what their skin type is. What is a skin type? What is a skin condition? Mm. When does one last a long time? When should one last a short time? How long should sensitive skin last? You know, should I always buy sensitive skin products? You know, all of these things or whether it's, you know, the body, the hair, the makeup, the skin, the, the same questions keep coming back over the years. People are confused over the same things. And it goes back to the almost lifestyle products of all skin types It's almost confusing people even more because yeah. that's saying, no, it will work, but it actually doesn't. Not every product will work for everyone, but one product will work for someone. Do you see lots of 
there are lots of voices now. And for a long time, it was just kind of beauty editors, I guess. And I would completely understand it. And I've been very candid on this podcast before when I've spoken with Nadine Baggett and Caroline Hirons and said, I was a beauty editor and I definitely thought I knew a lot about products, but I really didn't. I was just a very good regurgitator of press releases. And, and that's very, I, very honest of you to say so, because yeah, and I've, a lot I of journalists work, wouldn't say that. I now work really hard to make sure that that's not what I am, that I do now look at it with a more journalistic eye. But when, in my defence, when you're like taken to a hotel, given the fanfare, given the presentation, and you're, you, you, you absorb what, what you're designed to absorb, the brand want you to absorb. And so, yes, I work very hard on not doing that now. But when I wouldn't have been surprised if when you found out I was a guest... And it was like, oh, she's a beauty editor. She doesn't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if inside your head, and I wouldn't have blamed you for it, you would have thought, she can't edit beauty shite. I really wouldn't have. I would have thought, given everything I know now, knowing you better, knowing the training that you've done, knowing the kind of clients that you've had, knowing the wealth of knowledge that you've earned over 30 years, it, for people to sort of have a similar job title to you is where I'm getting to. How does that feel when you know that they're not as qualified? You sat in front of me the first time. You would have known that I wasn't as qualified as you. Yeah, but you cared about your product and you cared about the information that you gave across the customer. You did care about the customer. I can tell when someone's just reeling off a speech mm. and I know it's going to be a tough time with that person and with that brand and that's when I'll take over mm. and actually then say the story to the customer and I do what's called go down the barrel of the camera, hog the camera, and actually say the true story about the product <laughs> or the brand. Mm. But I could tell then that, okay, you were a journalist, I forgave you. Um, it was, <laughs> you had done your research, you had done your knowledge, you legally knew what you could and couldn't say, and you were, um, you did have an empathy with the customer. Mm. But there's a massive industry now of people who aren't as qualified as you with very authoritative voices about things that you know in great detail. Yeah. And I just wonder how that might feel. I know that you have the website and you have social media, but I personally, and I'm just going to mm. say it, Alison, feel like you should be up there with the best of them. Oh, thank you. There's, um, I mean, there's, there's room for everyone. Mm. Um, you know, what I do say is that when people have problems, and they will have problems when they buy on hype... Mm. Um, and they'll suddenly buy the next best mascara, the next best mascara, the next best mascara, and mm. realise that actually the top-selling next best mascara is actually not the mascara that's working on their short, straight lashes mm -hmm. or on their lashes after illness or yeah. on their lashes after pregnancy. And then they'll come to me and ask the question, because I won't say what is the mascara that's been hyped at the moment or that's been paid to be hyped at the moment. Mm. I'll say the mascara or the face cream that actually genuinely suits your price point your problem and what result you need to get mm. so i'll always ask a few more questions but that's because i then want to get the right product for you mm. um yeah i must admit my mother with her post chemo hair she once called me and said i've seen this article in such and such and it's got this new shampoo and conditioner that's good for hair loss and i went it's just new it's just launched yeah read between the lines yeah well when a brand says you know this is the you know the, the, the number one selling product. It's like, yeah, it has just launched. It will be the number one selling product mm. because every retailer has had to buy X amount across the country and the world. So at the moment it's the number one, but it, is it going to be the number one in another year or two's time or will you have discontinued it? Mm. So with that, to that point, when it comes to the skincare that you use, is your 
are your favourites ones that have been around for a long time? Tried, like tried and tested, absolutely watertight formulas. Um, yeah, I have my, my little tried and trusted logo on the website, which might be allocated to certain products and ingredients, but it does come in ingredients. I do get um, pleasantly surprised sometimes with some newer brands or free from brands that have got the purity of those ingredients that I know have worked and stood the test of time. Mm. But then I'll dip in and out. I will go from plant-based and free from to science and technology because I want to see what difference it will have on the skin. Do you notice well. an actual different difference in the results if you're trying a different approach like that? Uh, I do if the concentration's right, and if I don't, the concentration's wrong. Because if you're using plant-based or free-from products and you go to scientific products and you see really very little difference, mm. then that is not at the right concentration. Right. You know, it, it, one of the sort of big things, I don't know if you've seen it um, this year, has been, you know, vitamin A. Yeah. And vitamin A comes in many forms, as you know, and everyone says it's anti-aging. But vitamin A that you find naturally in a vegetable plant oil is not retinol. Mm. It is not anti-aging. It is not going to do anything on pigmentation. It is going to be softening and comforting and conditioning and maybe desensitizing on the skin. But it is not the vitamin A that is the retinol that is going to affect the basal cell reproduction, that is going to affect the pigmentation cell, that is going to have side effects as well. Mm. But in the purpose of the side effects, you are actually going to get a result at the end of it if yeah. you can cope with it. Um, and so, with, you know, there's there's only so many ingredients, but then it's reading between the ingredients, what are the ones that really, if, if it's vitamin A, does it really have an anti-aging effect or is it mm. vitamin A that is has just a softening, moisturising effect? How do people know? Because even if you look at the inky list, can you really tell? Uh, no, you've got to look for... Um, if you're wanting stronger and hard-hitting ingredients, you've got to look for... Uh, patented, you know, trademark R in a circle uh, on inky listings, things like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the hard hitting yeah. ingredients, and there's nothing wrong. You know, uh, you make a choice, or, or sort of one on a couple of my videos that I've done. One of them is on chemotherapy and illness mm-hmm. because that is such a common um, question on my tutorials on my website as well. Um, I'll the put other the link one to that in the show notes, listeners. The other one is um, when you're looking at ingredients on anti aging. It's it's okay to make a choice. Do you want to have a cushioned, moisturized, comfortable aging skin? Mm-hmm. In which case it's sunscreens and it's moisturizers. Mm-hmm. And that is, you will look fantastic. You will, you will see the personality. You'll see everything. You will, you'll see, yes, you'll have lines, but they won't be noticed mm-hmm. because they're softened and cushioned. And, and also then choose your makeup brand to have moisturizing serum makeups mm. and creamy formulas, etc. So that's fine. So you've got your lines, but they're conditioned and they're comfortable and they survive the weather. Or do you want to do something about them as far without injectables, for example, because that's not what I'm an expert in, mm-hmm. then we'll go to some stronger ingredients, which is are oh, oh, your glycolics, your retinols, your peptides, mm. your clinically uh, patented proven ingredients. Uh, but And that's a choice, but it is a jump of price point. Mm. You're not going to get those ingredients cheaply. Uh, you're certainly not going to get them at the right concentration cheaply. Right, yeah. So if you want them to really work, you've got to pay a bit a bit more money for them. And that's just a choice. And neither wrong, one of those is wrong. Mm. Um, it's then a personal decision for me, for the guys and for the girls, if it's on the ageing process, which is their family of ingredients that they prefer on their skin and also what's the image that they prefer mm. on their skin. 
are they at all costs i want the strongest thing possible or are they no actually i'm happy in my own skin i just want to have great looking skin for my age because you have several skincare wardrobes and we have a specific one um for your you have a a beauty shelf in your stables Yes. Right? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. So, Alison is yeah. at what would you? I have various. Yeah, I have. I have a, a at home. I've got a whole beauty room or mm-hmm. two beauty rooms, um, and in there, then I've got testing trolleys, and I've got my um, table as well, where I've got all my products out that I'm testing. I've then got all my store cupboards, uh, which is all labelled up of all my cleansers or moisturisers or serums or mm. mascaras or eyeliners, etc. Of all the different brands, etc. I've then got. Um, two rooms here I've taken over the makeup room as well with a whole trolley they finally gave in um, which is, has got products and things too but yes around and about at home I've always got some products in the car I've always mm. got a few products in the handbag I've got some uh, products in the horse box I've got some products in you know that are in um, uh, the tack room in the stable yard as well because the, but they're all different mm. you know because when when I'm in my other life because you do have, let's just say, you've got this glamorous TV life. Yeah, I have a London life and a home life. Yeah, and then you've got your home life, which is... Horses and dogs and... Yeah, yeah. very and, outdoorsy, yeah. some it's, might I, say. I, um, Lisa from Benefit, who you know very well, yes. uh, she often laughs at me because uh, then I'll say, I've got things like, I've got my post office brow, my supermarket brow, <laughs> my going to work brow, and my London brow. So I actually have about six different ways of doing a brow. Are you for real? Yeah, no, that's I just true. Barely comb them. No, that's but there's there's a just get out of bed to <laughs> you know go to the village shop to pick up a parcel brow, but then I think that helps me relate to when anyone is looking for a brow product around the country, for example. There's so many brow products now; yeah. it's such a big thing. Mm. It's such an important thing on your face. It does make a difference, but not everyone wants the HD chiseled, microbladed right brow. No, 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 no. Um, some people just want it slightly mm. a little bit darker uh, and, you know, just build up in confidence with an easy product mm. that they don't need a brush with, while others will sit there with an angled brush and three products and paint Individually it Individually draw it in yeah. and beef up their brows. Yeah, and, and neither of them is wrong, but they are very customised and individual to what that person sort of wants. <laughs> so what brow do you have? Do you do any? Do you do anything when you are riding? This is my horses? meeting brow. So, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, you mean business. This will get. This will go to a TV brow later. Yes, because you are going to go on air. Shortly, yeah, this will go to TV, and it started off lighter this morning with a dog walking brow. Yeah, I'm so impressed that you even do anything to go out of the house in the morning. Yeah, well, uh, out of the house in the morning, uh, apart from about at least two or three cups of coffee. Oh, how do you take to. your coffee? Uh, white oh. uh, latte that's my favorite oh. and um so yeah i'm a complete coffee fiend i'll have another one after this so no out of my house in the morning it varies in regimes and routines and again i think that helps me and helps customers understand how i test the products for them and it helps me understand that no one's routine is right or wrong mm. it's just what does someone want and i don't judge anyone when they say, oh, I don't believe in that product or I don't want it, mm. that's fine. That's their choice. You know, some people might say they don't want any beauty products. That's okay. Just wear mm. sunscreen, please. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that medically and beauty-wise everyone agrees on. Mm. Um, and so, it, you know, some people might not be into their hair, but they are into their makeup. They might be into their nails, but they're not into skincare. That's mm. okay. That's their 
choice of what makes them feel good. Mm. Um, and when I'm, you know, at home, it might be, you know, I'm testing a product and it's what's the quickest thing that can get me out of the door, um, which would be the same as maybe a mum that's just had some children. Mm. And she used to have a fabulous beauty regime. But now she'll be asking me across social media or something. It's like, Alison, I've got absolutely no time. Just what are the three essentials that are multitasking that's and it. will get me through it? Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That is a perfect routine for the what that person wants now. And you're very generous with all of this. Like if someone does tweet you that, you will deliver that information. I try. If I miss any, I'm sorry. And as it, no. as it grows, I might. But I'm trying to... It's the algorithm. I've, you miss things. I've seen it. Yeah, I've got a um, <laughs> frequently asked questions section that I'm doing on my website now. I'm doing more um, with magazines and things like that. And I just want, I just the, want to share the knowledge, really, because mm. knowledge is um, information that allows a, a customer, a client, a viewer, a follower, whoever mm. they are, male or female, to actually then make the right choice. And sometimes it might be making the right choice to actually use the products they've already got exactly. better. It's not necessarily about buying more mm. because a lot of people can have too many products. It's about, okay, use what you've got, but apply it more often mm. or apply it in a different way. So use a different technique. My thing recently and sort of since I went freelance has definitely been my sort of tagline, if you will, is not every product will suit everybody, as we've discussed, but every product will suit someone. And it's just delivering the right information to help people yeah. navigate their way towards some, stuff they will people, love. Some, people get such a relief when I say, you don't need that. Mm. They're like, oh, don't I? Oh, brilliant. Great. Well, that's easy. Mm. Because they think all the hype, they need everything. Yeah. And they feel guilty if they don't get it mm. as well. And it's not, you know, I want customers to feel in control um, of their shopping, of their beauty regime. You know, mm. men and women, I've got um, also information on there about, you know, teenage skin and problematic skin and eczema and psoriasis skin and things like that as well. And the do's and don'ts. So that wherever you shop at whatever price point, then there you've got more knowledge mm. to make that decision. I'm so thrilled that you're, you've got these tutorials now and you're definitely, you know, your social media profile is building. You're such a goldmine of information and you are so generous with it. And your knowledge, as we've just explained over the last hour, because our time together is coming to an end, because I'm aware that you do have to get ready I'm for a I'm aware that there's no one listening right now <laughs> because they're bored because <laughs> it's gone on for so long. You know how to hold people's attentions, Alison. <laughs> you doing an hour straight or more is not a problem for you. I think we've covered everything that I wanted to talk to you about. Thank you so oh, much. Well, we can do it again. If any questions or anything comes in, then you want to do it again, then that's fine. Well, listeners, I'll be putting all of the links to Alison, her social media, those frequently asked question videos, her website, everything in the show notes on Emma Gunn's iTunes and Acast. So if you have any questions, it's so simple. Just drop me a message to thebeautypodcast.gmail.com and I see Alison quite regularly. I'll just grab her in the canteen yeah. and uh, ask you and we'll That's get back to you. That's where you normally grab me, on the canteen or on the <laughs> stairs. It's our official meeting room. I know, or I stalk you, I come down to the dressing room. Yeah. That was my last one. Um, thank you so so much for your time it's been a delight oh that's all right thank you very much i've enjoyed it 
Before you go, did you enjoy that episode of the show? I sincerely hope you did. If you feel strongly enough about it, I would be so grateful if you could go over to iTunes, leave a five-star review and a little, maybe a couple of sentences about what you liked. It makes all the difference and helps a show like mine get noticed on a massive platform like iTunes. And as ever, I would love to hear from you. Let me know if there are any topics that you would like me to cover on the show, if there are any guests that you want me to get on the show. I am here to provide a podcast that you want to listen to. So get in touch. It's thebeautypodcast.gmail.com or don't forget you can very easily slide into my DMs on Twitter and Instagram where I'm at Emma Guns. Thank you once again for listening and I will see you on the next one. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.